Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 Podcast Friday Show, a show that's heard a rumour that Barcelona is still confident of signing Bernardo Silva. It's on and it's been activated. In this week's show, as always, we are looking back and we are looking forward. So the Forest game, Rain City's transfer window, now that, thank God, it's ended, and previewing Saturday's match at Villa Park. Let's do all that and more. I'm delighted to be joined by two podcasters who have committed their long-term futures to 9320, whether they like it or not, it's Chris and Jordan. Uh, good morning, Chris. How are you doing? Good morning, Howard. I'm fine. Um, my commitment is on until next summer, and then we're going to see what my options are. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't tell me your wife prefers to live in Portugal, does she? Yeah. She she just likes warmer climes. I'm sorry. It's nothing to do with me. Is it not warm enough here? God, never satisfied, no. so. Anyway, tied down for three years, so tough. I'm happy. I'm happy here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan, morning. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Howard. Yeah, I'm off to Barcelona next summer with Bernardo. Gets dark at 2pm here. That's what I've heard, according to uh, someone it's related right. to Angel Di Maria. So right. it's, it's a global game podcast and you can do the shows from there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you okay? You got a fun weekend planned? Uh, not nothing particularly special actually I was offered a ticket to, to go to Villa which would have been great and I've never been to Villa Park yeah. but unfortunately I've got a family dinner on Saturday night um, I hope my family aren't listening because unfortunately sounds quite negative but I would have liked to go to Villa Park um, <laughs> and and yeah off work on Fridays which is always nice yeah uh, Chris you've been to Villa Park before so uh, yeah, once years and years ago. Yeah, I went to the um, yeah the four nil cup win when they were the ground was half empty because they were that Kalechi? Yes, yeah, Kalechi they were Hatch. protesting against it. Who was the chairman there at the time? I forget his name. Um, Doug Ellis. Yeah, 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 Doug Ellis. Yeah, it was yeah. an absolute death trap in the away in the concourse yeah. behind the away end. Honestly, I yeah, I might have said this before. I'm like six foot, I'm not tiny or anything, uh, but. Struggling for breath in the back there. It's the, you know people. It's a lovely ground. It's old style, but still, it was you know still need some. It needed uh, modernising a bit when I went a few years ago. So, but it's still a, a cracking ground, especially for a late Saturday match. Uh, but anyway, before we look forward to the match, let's look backwards. I'm going to start with the Forest game, and Jordan, I'm going to start with you. Obviously. Friday show, people listening to this might not be subscribers. Me and Chris did the review and we're pretty gushing about it because why wouldn't we be? Uh, and the first thing that I noticed as soon as the match started was the intensity compared to the first half of the Crystal Palace match. Did that stand out uh, to you? And just generally, how impressed were you with the City as a unit as a whole, the intensity and desire in this match from beginning to end? Yeah, I think we look like City again is probably the best way of putting it. Um, the intensity both on the ball and off the ball. I think in the past couple of games against Palace and Newcastle, what's stood out in my mind is Pep's comment in his first season about winning the second balls. And I didn't think we were winning quite as many as we have been over the past few seasons. And I also think how quickly we were regaining the ball hadn't been there in the mm. past couple of games. And against Forrest, um, they absolutely didn't have a sniff apart from that one break in the first half. Um, Rodri was back to his best. I thought John Stones and Diaz were really aggressive and won far more of their duels than they did in the previous games as well. Um, so uh, we, we'll talk about the brilliant attacking football on display but I was really happy with how we defended and it was proactive front foot defending and it looks much more like a Manchester City performance. Do you think that's attitude or do you think the match fitness has just now clicked into care because City are can be slow deliberately slow in a way because Pep's playing the long game. Uh, attitude or fitness wise with this or a bit of both? Uh, yeah, probably a little bit of both, but the fitness thing is valid because we do tend to start slowly in seasons. And we've spoken a few times recently about this documentary where they've actually said that they don't intend to be fully fit until later on in the season. So they hit the peak at the right time. Um, but I think also for, for someone like Stones, it's just rhythm. 
It's getting back into it. It's confidence. Diaz hasn't really had a consistent run in the side as well because of his injury towards the end of last season. And those two as a pairing, let's not forget, was probably the best pairing we've seen under Guardiola when we won um, when we won the league with both of them as our starting centre-backs. So I think it's just a bit of familiarity, getting to grips with not what's a new system, but there are different intricacies um, in how we play with, with Haaland added in. Um, and yeah, it seems to be coming together, but let's be honest, a game against Forest at home, we are expecting to win comfortably. Hmm. Chris, it might be a tough, vague question this to answer, but it, obviously it's a different side because of the turnover in the summer. But does it feel like a different side when you watch them play? Just how we attack? Uh, <laughs> can it be all down to Haaland? Or does it just feel like this is a new... This is Pep version. I don't know what version are we on now. Four or five or something. But it is a, a new iteration of a team, basically, that he's putting into place. I think um, it's interesting because we, we, we've seen progressive changes... You know, the first su- successful Guardiola team of seventeen eighteen was very much about speed down the flanks, um, getting behind the fullback. I mean, there's still echoes of that, but because of opposition teams have changed, adapted to the way they play to us, we find that more difficult to do. We rarely counterattack anymore because we've usually got large possession of the ball. And I think, I, I think the Harlem factor has made the big difference. Because now when balls are put into the six-yard area, they no longer appear aimless. There's no longer any hesitation from us as a fan base thinking there won't be somebody there because Haaland will be there. And I think, and I think the reason that really was successful um, against Forest was because, and this sounds counter, counterintuitive, I thought we were more intense because we were more relaxed. One of the problems, I think, with the first half against Palace is that the team were anxious and part of that anxiety manifested itself by just constantly lobbing balls over the top to try and find Haaland. Whereas on Wednesday, we were much more relaxed. We let our system take care of itself. The, 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 the team were much more instinctive within that framework. And then when the ball went into the middle, Haaland was there waiting. So I think that, for me, has been the key shift uh, and it is a massive shift compared we've had two and a half three seasons of, of false nines it's a huge shift but it seems that Forest albeit against weak, weak opposition the Forest game exemplified the fact that we're starting to understand how we use Haaland by also utilising the way we've played for the last two or three seasons so yeah it felt like I felt even though it was against Forest I felt like it was a significant uh, step in the right direction of how we're utilising Haaland, but also um, Alvarez as well, who offers a whole different uh, option as a as a striker. Yeah, Jordan, me and Chris gushed for a while, but didn't know what else to say really about Erling Haaland, considering it's not even his first hat-trick for City and he's only just arrived. What is, already at this early stage, uh, how do you how do you talk about Erling Haaland? It's... It's nine in five. It's the best start a Premier League striker's ever had. We knew he'd be good, but somehow the the goals themselves are not. They're not. You know, as I said on the review of that, they're not like thirty yard power drives. He's not dribbling around players, but that's not what we we're expecting from him. He's just an absolute game changer, and I, I say I've not seen anything like him. Sergio Aguero didn't waste any time at City and obviously got eight in his first five games and then went on to be a legend. So we have seen something. And yet this Haaland just seems almost robotic and on a different level. Or maybe it's just because it has been a while since Sergio Aguero's peak. But we're already running out of superlatives on how to talk about him, aren't we? Yeah, I actually don't really know what to say about him. But well, we'll move on if you want. <laughs> I'll give it a go, Howard. Maybe a, no. a, a minute, a minute contemplation for everyone, where we all stay silent <laughs> and think about it. Well, what, what's nice is I'm finding that I don't really have to talk about him that much because opposition mm. fans are coming up to me and going, "Yeah, what about Harland? He's a joke, isn't he?" You know, they're all quaking. It's um, it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, opposition fans used to call our players a joke, but I think they're using it in a different way nowadays. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely positive in relation to how he's playing. 
Um, what I like about what we've seen so far, and you're right in that he's not scoring 30-yard power drivers and the goals do look simple, but only because he's made them look very simple. But I think we've seen a bit of everything from him. We've seen his poaching ability. We've seen his ability in the air. We've he, seen his ridiculous pace with the goal against West Ham and um, getting in behind against Newcastle. We've seen his agility with that effort against Newcastle, which Pope turned onto the post. Because if that goes in, you're probably saying, he's, what sort of goal can't he score? That, that was Aguero-ish, um, the one from outside the box. So obviously ridiculously pleased with how he started. I just feel like I want to watch him 24-7. I can't get enough of watching him play. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what, what to say beyond that. Just very, very lucky that we've signed the best goal scorer in the world. Can, can, I, can, can I answer that, Howard? I think because yeah. something you say about watching 24-7 there, Jordan, is, is if you watch Haaland when he's off the ball, that's when you see the real... Not, I won't say genius because it's uh, hyper hyperbolic, but if, if you you see the real quality of him as a player, his movements off the ball are extraordinary. And I think as Lineker uh, alluded to in match of the day, uh, striking is, is 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 a maths game. Is that it's about you know it's about probability, and if you do the same thing enough times, eventually uh, you will come up trumps with it. But it, one of the things that's been levelled at Haaland, but which is symptomatic of this this antiquated uninformed football media is the emphasis on the number of touches, particularly what they're considering is is a low number of touches. But the lens to look through that as, look at the number of touches he's had compiled through each games and then balance that against the goals. And what that shows you is the man is clinical, is that he actually needs very few opportunities and he needs very few touches to... to, um, um, get a high number of goals and that's the thing that's really coming across for me is the work Harlan does off the ball maximises what he does when he's got the ball and the, and his touch stats versus his goal stats tell you that that the guy is clinical and I, because of that I see many more hat-tricks coming o- over the course of the season that, my friend I can't can't remember the odds he said I'm sure he said it was like 50 to 1 or something he put a bet on pre-season of Haaland to get five hat-tricks in there. I think it's just in the league this season. And yeah, it's, well, that, that, looks, that looks achievable, doesn't it? <laughs> well, he's done two in a week, yes. It's not bad, yeah. is it? Two in the first five. So, And obviously he's not going to be scoring hat-tricks every other week. Uh, even you know, <laughs> even the astonishingly, how astonishingly good he is already proven to be. Uh, he won't play every game and he'll, he'll have tougher games. But yeah, uh, that was... Quite a bet. It's not. It's looking quite good, uh, Jordan. Just a couple of things about away from the pitch. It's like I'm happy. Like you can't eulogise about a player when we sign him. You know, before he's even kicked a football. So I was happy for a wait and see about how Haaland did. But there had to be a backlash when he signed into, especially as he only cost fifty one million pounds. Apart from adding on fees to make it sound more important that he could struggle in the Premier League. Is there still now? It's easy now with hindsight, and we've still got small sample size. He will have a dry patch, there's no doubt about it. You know, you know, Lino Messi has a dry patch in the game, I'm sure, at some point at his peak. But was there a tendency, again, in media coverage, to think that the Premier League can break any player and that he would struggle? Was it fair, do you think, the coverage when he arrived? Or is it fair that all the eulogising that someone... Is it just inevitable in a way that someone has to do a counter counterpoint article... Uh, Especially if people are making conclusions before he's kicked to football. I I think the people that speak negatively often speak the loudest. I I think generally the reception of Haaland coming into the Premier League was one that we covered um, on 93.20 in saying that it's probably the biggest transfer of any English club ever. To sign a superstar talent like him generally doesn't happen. Um, and I think that was reflected in the media coverage. However, you do get the voices like Chelsea Rory, I don't know what his surname is, um, who say that, you know, 
it's disrespectful to assume that Haaland can come in and win the golden boot because of the establishment, whatever that means, um, the likes of Salah. The Strongman argument, basically. He made up an argument that no one was talking about anyway, just to, yeah. Yeah, and do you know what? There aren't many players who come into the league and win the golden boot. I think it's only happened once, and I think that was Salah. Um, So it is unusual. But the evidence has been there that Whenever Haaland started somewhere, whether it's been at Salzburg, whether it's been in the Champions League, whether it's been at Dortmund, the, the guy's just a goal-scoring machine. It doesn't matter where he is. Mm. And what I love about Haaland as well is his physicality. He doesn't need to adapt to the Premier League. The Premier League needs to adapt to him. And I think what embodies that is the goal against Palace, his third goal, Um Sorry to take this a little bit further back than we were planning, but when he ran through for that third goal, he had Joel Ward to his right. If that was even Aguero or Sterling or Jesus, the defender can give him a little nudge and knock him a bit off balance Mm. and make it harder. The only way to knock Haaland off balance is by being so forceful that it's probably a foul and either a red card or a penalty. And I think that just embodies how suited he is to this league and how difficult defenders were always going to find it against him because there is no clear way to stopping him. There was a story recently that Premier League managers are calling each other up and trying to share <sighs> tactics about how Do to stop him. you believe that? That's... Well, I'm sure there is. You know, that. I mean, I don't think there's a Zoom call with all 19 of the others. Yeah, what we but doing. I'm sure, you know, a few Premier League managers are friends. Like, how do you stop this bloke? Because there's no clear answer. What do you actually do? It requires defenders being at the absolute top of the game and him having an off day. Well, you absolutely crowd him out and then you just give all of City's other players. So yeah, exactly. Can't blanch to do what they want. I think that the final Palace goal, this is unfair comparison because Raheem Sterling obviously isn't a striker. But Ryan Sterling would have gone down as soon as he felt uh, contact. Yeah. Now, the difference here, I'm not doing it for a dick at Sterling because he's gone. The thing about Haaland is he's not interested. He, Well, he's won a penalty at West Ham. He did that hilarious dive that I would hope was just <laughs> for the for the crake uh, against Barcelona, which, you know, was never... Was never a penalty. If that was in a competitive match, uh, I'm sure there'd be like yeah, uh, petitions for him to be banned for the season. But you look at that. There was never a thought of winning a penalty. Look at the first goal where he's having his shirt tugged uh, against mm. Nottingham Forest. He's he's just a killer. His only thought is to put it in the net, not to think about oh, I could feel get contact here and win a penalty. He is more intent on just getting it into the net. And I think it would take quite a lot, really, you know, to send him down because that's not his priority. And it just shows, in a way, what a killer he is. Because most players will look for penalties now because why wouldn't you? You know, it's an excellent chance to score a goal. Uh, perhaps a better chance than just going on and taking a shot in many positions. So. But Harlan's just not interested in that, is he? So, and I, There's something I don't think about I've seen the- that before, to be honest. I... I've, there's something I can draw a comparison with two of the players. What I, uh, at the minute, Haaland is loving life, very clearly loving life, uh, and because of his confidence, his confidence levels are so high. If he misses a chance, it doesn't affect him in the slightest. Uh, I can't think of a better example of a player who isn't a confidence player uh, than, than Haaland. There's so I remember. Forgive the comparison, but there's two players, Rooney and Tevez. That when I see when I saw them play in the flesh, they played like kids on a park, fearless, nothing at stake, didn't care. And because of it, they were super dangerous. I remember seeing Rooney for the first time when he was first started United, and I thought he's so dangerous because he's not adhering to the usual um, values and mores of the game. He's, he's just playing like a kid in the park, and like it's like Tevez was playing like he was just a kid in, in the favelas, and that's why he was so impactful. And I'm seeing a, seeing a similar thing with Harlan. He's playing with this carefree attitude as if he's playing a Sunday league game. He doesn't want to go down for a penalty, and his only ambition is to score goals. So that makes him even 
even more dangerous and difficult to deal with. Um, and I look forward to him facing up to the more accomplished centre-halves through this season. Like, I wish we were playing Liverpool tomorrow. Because right now, I think that, that Haaland would have Van Dijk for dinner, honestly. I'm, I'm glad we're and, not, to be fair. I don't need that. Uh, I don't need that. Uh, Timing, timing wise, to play know, Liverpool yeah. this weekend would be perfect. But yeah, I'm looking. See, I think we, we said it uh, in, in the other show, Howard. What I'm looking forward to now is to see his incremental development and growth, to see what Guardiola does with him. Because Guardiola, as we know, always improves players. There's not one player that he's brought to City who's done at least more, he's done at least at least a season who he hasn't improved. So I'm 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 really excited to see what he does with Haaland over the next two seasons. Just to play devil's advocate on going back to the original question though, Howard, and I am contradicting myself a little bit um, in whether people expected Haaland to come in and hit the ground running. I think it is a fair comment to see how City have played over the past however many seasons under Guardiola. And think adding in a six foot five Norwegian meat shield um, might upset the balance. I can understand why people think it might or thought it might take a little bit of time for them to get that system right. Um, But one of the aspects of Haaland's game, which I've been most impressed by, is actually his link up. He doesn't Mm. give the ball away very often. And when he does, oh my God, you don't want him sprinting at you. He works hard to get that ball back, but it rarely happens, and particularly in the past few games, that maybe the Newcastle games where it stood out to me most. His link-up play was fantastic. The one-touch layoffs, really, really good. Um, and I think you might have said it, Chris, in the review pod, but he's like the most unlikely pet player there ever was. Mm-hmm. He looks like he fits mm-hmm. the team really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair enough that people didn't quite see that coming because I didn't. I knew we'd score goals, but I thought we'd have to totally reinvent the way that we play. And I don't think we've really done that. Can I counter your devil's advocacy with further devil's advocacy just very quickly? <laughs> okay. Is that when people, when people said that, will he fit? The main criticism levelled at City, particularly when it came to critical fixtures in, like in the latter stages of the Champions League, is that we were not clinical enough. And he's the ingredients that we've brought in to make sure that we convert a greater percentage of our chances than we did before. That for me, I don't, I don't see City has changed the way they're playing very much. The City I saw against Forest was what I've seen for the last two or three seasons. The difference is, is now three Three great opportunities that are put across the six-yard box are more likely to go in now. More likely to get two out of three rather than one out of three. So I think I think that the, the criticism levelled at him, or, or the or the or the, the the suppositions that he might not fit. I just think it was desperate from the journalists because they knew that their neighbour had now had the fastest car on the avenue, and there's nothing they could do about it. And and so and and and, and they've got a great copy. I get it completely. But I was never anxious about about how, how Holland would integrate into the team because I knew what gap he was filling and he's now filling that. So they tried to key the car, did they? <laughs> yeah, they tried to key the car. They let down the tyres. They just everything, but it didn't work. It didn't Couldn't work. Put a potato up the exhaust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it still drove off down the street absolutely fine. So. Yeah. No, but but you're I mean, right, Johnny. He is. When I look at him, just aesthetically, it's like you're way too tall for this team because we only play with little players, and yet you know, and yet he's he's fitted in perfectly. Uh, and that's why I'm just keen to see how he develops. What else Guardiola can do with well, him? I mean, even I said in summer, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he's got like eight in his first ten games, but he's also so he's got a good scoring rate, but he's also still trying to work out how to integrate. And we have to wait, say, three months until it all purrs nicely in the team. That, that's fair enough. I didn't expect him just to walk in, and and in a way, he is still integrating, but it's just he's still. You know, the perform- just performing way, way beyond and just transformed our threat in front of goal. Uh, we have to, before we move on from the Forest match, Jordan, we can't go on without talking about Julian Alvarez. I've heard some City fans say over the summer, I'm more excited about Alvarez than Haaland. I was like, give me a break. It's Haaland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm excited about Alvarez because, yeah, 
I don't know. You just see someone. And you, I, I don't go off YouTube clips, clips, but you just look at someone. And you think, yeah, he looks. He looks like a Sergio. He looks like he could. He fits in our team. And his his first start for the club. Is it fair to say the match? Is it hyperbole to say he was a revelation in this match? No, he, he was he was brilliant. You know, like you, when people were saying that over the summer that they were more excited about him having only come from the Argentinian league, being older than Haaland, and also knowing everything I knew about Haaland, I thought they were being very silly, and I, I still think they they were silly. However, after the Forest game, pe- when people were coming up to me about Haaland and wanting to discuss him, my first response, and this is totally genuine, was. Yeah, but did you see Alvarez as well? He was fantastic. Chris's man of the match for the first uh, game. He was so good. What Probably one of the most impressive parts wasn't the goal, the one where he hit the post. Yeah. Um, mm. And it is cliche because he's Argentinian and he's got a similar build, but he just looks so much like Aguero. The way he runs, mm. the way he takes chances. That second goal on his weaker foot, it reminded me a little bit of, okay, much easier angle. But just the way he struck it, there was just a bit of deja vu when Aguero scored against Liverpool in that game in 2019 from the really tight angle. You know, the one where we won mm. 2-1 and Sané scored the winner. Just the, the sort yeah. of half volley, weaker foot. Oh, I, I'm so excited to see him. And now I'm almost thinking, even though we've only seen it for the first time on Wednesday, that front three of Foden, Haaland, Alvarez none of them over the age of 22 yeah. is one of the most exciting in the league and is the one that I want to see most regularly. I guess the only, yeah, the, the next conversation will no doubt be where's his best position because we always go through this uh, routine, don't we? But I again, don't even know where he played on Wednesday night, to well, be yeah, honest. It's so fluid a lot of the time, behind Harland, uh, yeah. wide, all over the place. Uh, no doubt probably popped up at left back at some point, uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, he's, again, he's flexible, but he's such a whirlwind as well that he will be moving across the pitch a lot, won't yeah. he? So. I did think he struggled to get involved at times in the first half, mm. but that's natural because of how deep Forest were playing. And he was sort of playing off Haaland, um, whereas we weren't playing the ball into Haaland's feet that much. And there wasn't he's that much He's got no relationship with his player, these players except on the training pitch. Yeah. So these things can take like nine months until it you know even, where players run, until you know what they're getting, you know, until you've got that sixth sense of knowing. Uh, this is his first game. so And he speaks very limited English as well. Yeah. Um, so such, such an encouraging start. And I okay. think it, it's really a game where, which has shifted him in our minds, at least, and probably everyone else's minds, to exciting talent, to let's start Alvarez. Alvarez should be starting. Mm. And we now know what he's capable of, not in the Argentinian league, but in the toughest league in the world. Yeah. I think it dawned on Pep Joyner. I don't know. I have no no, uh, insider knowledge whatsoever. But it seems that City were considering loaning him out at first, and then it dawned on them. Hang on, this guy. (laughs) This guy can play a big part. You know, he's he's looked, He's more than potential. And the early signs are looking excellent. I wonder if he'll just pretend never to speak English to avoid uh, media interviews like Sergio Aguero. So. Oh. <laughs> and who can blame him if he does as well? Uh, let's move on then. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I thought yeah, it's hard because Nottingham Forest promoted side and obviously I don't think Cooper really... He played... He didn't make concessions to City and I think they paid for it. They left uh, width, but I still felt it was the most complete performance of the season so far from City. It just clicks the intensity, the one-touch passing as well from the side. Uh, Pep's use of subs, getting some youth on. It was just, yeah, a perfect evening. Uh, But we do need to move on because thank you, thank you, transfer gods, you've shut the window. (laughs) It's, uh, I don't know why it ended on the 1st instead of the last day of August, but never mind. It has shut. Before we look at City's uh, summer dealings, let's quickly, just Chris, what start with you, the late, late signing that came about the blue, um, Manuel Akanji. Uh, I know 
again, we've talked on the preview podcast this week on the transfer, but when it came out of the day, we weren't expecting him or anyone else probably to come in, certainly as a defender. Now the now he's come in and you've had a time to think about it, the cost, experience, age and so on, considering that we are quite well stocked with central defenders already, does he... Does it come across to you now as a sensible signing to fit the profile, cost, age, etc. if City were going to be opportunistic and sign someone late in the window? I think the more I thought about it, then yes, it does. Um, in, we know how football works and you can never have enough insurance in terms of number of players. You look at last season, we had, we've got four you know, world-class centre-halves and by the last game of the season, we've got... 0.51 because Laporte's, Laporte's on his last legs and Fernandinho is filling in. We start in the summer, we think we've got four centre-halves again. By the, by the end of the Newcastle match, we've got two fit centre-halves. So we, we can see how easily a, 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 you know, a healthy full squad can, can, can be reduced just by circumstance. I think um, Champions League... Um, experience, his age, his intelligence. If you check out any of the YouTube <laughs> videos with his doing his mathematic calculations, you know, for, for entertainment value alone, he's worth, he's worth bringing in. But I think that, um, it's a smart move. I think the player himself will know that he's not coming in to be a, a starter, a bit like Com- Gomez will know that. Um, but he, he wants to come in and be part of that environment. Um, and I think for the, Money that we've paid for him, um, it, it, that that reflects his his age. Um, but I still think it's going to be a good fit, and 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 it's very likely with the number of games that we've got from this point before the break before the World Cup that he will be called upon, because the the fatigue is going to be a massive issue, even without injuries, just fatigue of players when we're playing every three or four days until the, until the winter period that he'll be called upon. So what was unusual was that it was very last minute which is the antithesis of the way City operate nowadays. But it, it seems like a savvy signing. Um, and it's they've obviously tracked him previously. They won't just bring him in uh, impulsively. So, yeah, I was really pleased with it. Um, and, and, and I hope he can he can make an impact and settle quickly. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, your thoughts? Obviously, you could say it's not an exciting signing, but signings don't have to be exciting, do they? So uh, they yeah. just have to make the squad stronger. Uh, City... W- City were never going to sign a £60 million central defender because there was no need to do that. So with that in mind, uh, what do you think the reasoning was for bringing him in and, and yeah, does it seem like a sensible move to you? I think just as Chris said, um, we ended the season desperately short of centre-backs. Um, we've lost Fernandinho, which, I mean, let's be realistic, I don't think we're absolutely devastated to lose him from a centre-back role but he was an option there when we needed him. And all of a sudden, we've got two fit centre-backs, and one of them's John Stones, who we know is susceptible to injuries. So it makes total sense. £15 million is a very good fee um, for an established player. I know he had one year left on his contract. I'm, I'm happy to trust City with it. I'm happy to trust their judgment. I've seen mixed reports about him. That the negatives are that he himself is a little bit injury prone, but that seems to be what we target in a centre back. And also, well, it's Dortmund the, player, so it's kind of inevitable. So. Yeah, yeah. And also on the Dortmund theme, he's susceptible to lapses in concentration. But on the other side, he is good bringing the ball out from the back, both dribbling and passing. Uh, agile, athletic, and as I say, I think City know what they're doing. Very rarely do we miss with a signing. So happy to have the extra body in. Yeah, if it don't work out, there's always a, a slot on countdown. It's a not case. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You'll boss that one. Well, yeah, well, you just, it'll, it'll be taking Susie Dent's job. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, well... She's words, but he speaks oh, yeah. four languages, I think. So he yeah. could do both of them, to be honest. He could, uh, yeah, another flexible, flexible there. Yeah, I think he's got cons- a conversation in English and speaks three other languages. So yeah, obviously an intelligent guy and intelligence is what you need to take on Pep's uh, instructions, which can be overwhelming. So yeah, looks sound to me. Well, let's look at the window as a whole then. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you. It's all over. It's mm. finished. With a net spend trophy winners, you'll never sing that. Uh, 
<laughs> That's probably not the most important aspect of our window, but how do you feel about our business now across the summer? You can throw Alvarez into there because, yes, we signed him in mm. January, but obviously he didn't arrive to the summer. So we'll put him in the summer. How Are you happy with the business that you've done? Yeah, I, I think I think our new status as net, of, of net spend kings is quite amusing, though. It's, it's like we're saying to Liverpool, I was like them apples because they were banging on about that for so long. And now we've completely usurped them. I would say that this has been City's most strategically successful transfer window in in a long time with, with only one caveat. So, and I would say that obviously bringing in Haaland is just, you know, we talked about it many, many times. It, it, it's a remarkable transfer and it speaks volumes about the club. Um, I think uh, also bringing uh, Alvarez coming in, um, bringing in Phillips strategically is smart as hell because he, we need to have somebody who can support Rodri with the number of games that we've got and we needed to replace Fernandinho as well. And it seems that Phillips is happy to come in and know he's not going to be a starter straight away so that we've picked the right calibre and character of player. Uh, bringing in a, a Kanji even though late seems smart. Letting Jesus and Sterling go. At first, there were some eyebrows raised, but after five games, no one's missing them effectively. And I think for both those players, it was the right. I'm quite happy for both of them to leave and move on. And the number of academy players that we've sold and made a massive profit on, but also a, uh, embedded a buyback clause in most of those per- uh, those transfers as well. So strategically, it's been brilliant. It's been a combination of we need to address a sh- a, a, an immediate issue with the striker issue and we've done that plus and we've and we've addressed the issue of how do we how do we um transition to bring in new players into areas where where older players have left and moved on and the only caveat i would say is i thought that the the left back issue was a bit of a shit show um is that is that i've seen gomez play once on wednesday and he seemed really competent but I don't see the difference between him and Zinchenko, and and Zinchenko seemingly didn't want to leave, but we he, we let him go on the um, pre- on the premise that Kukureya was going to join us, and that didn't happen. So we still have this recurring left back challenge. But that's the only caveat that I can give to what I think has been a really shrewd, smart, and successful transfer window for the club. Okay, same question to you, John. Yeah, I agree mainly with Chris. Um, obviously, the window is going to be skewed heavily by the fact that we have signed the best goal scorer in the world. So it has to be looked at in a positive way. And there are lots of other little successes like the academy signings, but the, uh, well, the academy sales rather. Um, the left back situation or full back situation, just a total shambles. I, I can't believe that it played out in the way it did to sell Zinchenko that early in the window without having an, a replacement lined up or even it wouldn't have even been a replacement really we just needed a left back as well as Zinchenko in my opinion unrealistic to keep four of them but I don't really think he would have been replacing Zinchenko in the same way that Haaland didn't replace Jesus um, and also to go into the season now as Chris said Gomez looks competent but if we'd have had Kukurea, he'd have probably been on loan at Girona, is the, the feeling that I got from, from the journalist close to the story. Um, so that, that's a real disappointment. Really, really disappointed to not have a plan B or C for Kukurea not signing and to go into the season where an injury to Kyle um, basically puts us back with two fullbacks it, it is concerning. On Jesus and Sterling, I feel like the club's hands were tied to an extent. Yeah. They both clearly just wanted to leave off their own back. Um, I did say last season out of the three, what I would say are right wingers in Jesus, Sterling and Mares. Mares would be the one that I wanted to leave first out of the three of them. And we've given him a two-year contract and we'll probably come on to him a little bit later. Um, but I've been really unimpressed with how Morris has played over the last six months or so, despite his goal tally. So I, I, I think this front three 
would be excellent with a Sterling or Jesus on the right of Haaland on, in, down the middle and Foden on the left. But Alvarez may fill that void and in a few games' time, I'll be eating my words. But yeah, uh, over, overall, solid window in getting the striker that we've all craved, Phillips, Akanji, I'm counting Alvarez, but the, the fullback situation for me is just an absolute zero out of ten from City. What about size? Does it still feel one or two plays short or are you happy with? Yeah, I, I think it feels short, particularly when we've not got a full squad. I mean, to go into the Palace game with, yes, Grealish and Phillips were out injured and probably one other who I'm forgetting, but to have Claudio Gomez on the bench who's just signed for Palermo and Ben Knight, two players in my opinion that, well, Gomez certainly has no future at the club, um, but I don't think Knight does either. I don't really think that bodes too well, given we're not really in an injury crisis. We've had a couple of injuries and all of a sudden players are on the bench who aren't up to the standard of even coming off the bench. They're probably just there to make up the numbers. So it, it does feel small. In a season when we've got a World Cup sandwiched in the middle, hmm. I think we're heavily relying on a good year for the medical team and a good year with a bit of luck in terms of injuries because that squad does look really thin. thin sorry. So, yeah, I've, I've put in the notes you have to score or transfer dealings for some out of 10. What would you give it, Jordan? It's so difficult because of Haaland. <laughs> I just want to give it 10 because of Haaland, but we've got to be realistic. And I'd say it's a... You do half points if you want. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll give it an eight. I'll give it an eight because we've got Haaland. But right. at, without Haaland, if we just signed, I don't know, Vlahovic or a different striker, we're talking five and a half, six because of that left-back situation and losing two great players in... Sterling and Jesus. Uh, don't forget, of course, uh, goalkeeping changes as well with Stefan out to Middlesbrough, Ortega in. Looks, yeah. Reputation looks good, but of course, yeah, good shot stopper. Maybe not against Barcelona, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, with one incident. But, uh, he wasn't the worst keeper in that game. No. And he, Can yeah, you say something about squad like, size? He looks like an upgrade at the moment as well, so there's that as well, so... Howard, can I just say something about squad size? Because I'm not sure if I agree, because I think what we've got is a small but perfectly formed squad, which is reflective of the fact that Guardiola doesn't like not playing players. So he struggles with keeping great players on the bench. I think against Palace, we had a lot of young players, but we had Gundo on the bench, Palmer on the bench... um, I can't remember who else was on there. But who we had missing, in addition to Grealish and Phillips, we had Ake and Laporte missing. So you put those four back on the bench, added to what was on the bench against Palace, that's that's a pretty strong bench, really. And we know that, that Gundo is now proven as a game changer. We know that Palmer can bring in a, 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 an incredible energy and impact on the dynamic playing either side of, 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 of whoever's of, of Harland playing up front. And I think that, yeah, I'd like another fullback in there. But it is, it is also that thing about, it, I don't like seeing world-class players sitting on a bench for extended period because I just think it's really, you know, it's count, it's counterproductive, not just for them, but also for the for wider. So I think, I don't think we're, I don't think we need any more players because, because, you know, we want to give each player as much playing time as possible. And as we know, you know, that often the equation doesn't work if we've got too many players on the bench. So I think, I think we've just got to have, a little bit of faith there with that. If we only had Haaland as a striking option, I'd be worried. But because we've got Alvarez, I think it's really smart and savvy. Yeah. And um, so so And it's faith in so the well, likes of yeah, Palmer. Uh yeah. turning up, you know, and Alvarez. And I think that's yeah. fine. I think they agree with you both. The full back thing is just the same every summer, isn't it? Uh even if you know, Gomez turns out to be world class, then fair enough. You say we, we turned it, we did it right. But let's be honest, he was never first choice, and it was never City's intention to just buy someone of that profile. We were trying to get a big name left back, and we failed uh, ultimately. 
Uh, we might get away with it, we may not. But yeah, that was the one area that was weak. Let's score for you then, Chris. So I'm going to say 8.5. Yeah. And the 1.5 that they've lost is because left-back situation, but also letting two players go to who to rivals. So letting Sterling go into Chelsea and letting Jesus and Zinchenko oh. go into Arsenal. Uh, that that that. I mean, how much we could have controlled that, I don't know. Um, because the clubs came in with a bid. Um, but yeah, that, that's not a great move. However, I think, I think it, it, it's, it's what we have achieved positively overshadows that entirely. The net spend thing. Do you think we're, I think Southampton signed another seven of our youth players yesterday, uh, just for <laughs> the, uh, it should be fun to watch them anyway, uh, this season. Do you think we're saving up for a big summer? Midfield acquisitions, maybe next year. Um, maybe, or, or it may just be part of the larger business plan around yeah. the academy. Uh, is 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 that we we've you know we know we know that the modern day football academies are not uh, exclusively now about developing players to break into the first team. They're about developing players to then impact on the wider footballing infrastructure, and that's what we do. And I think that to break into the city team, you've got to be an extraordinary talent like Foden. Otherwise, you're going to struggle to, to, to break in. So therefore, we develop players that will impact on the wider footballing fraternity. And I think there's been a, a large number of, of, of departures from the academy players. However, that is, that's testament to the quality of the training that they're receiving and how, how much now City's academy has now become the first reference point for any other Premier League side outside the top six to look to recruit from. So I, I, for me, it, 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 it wins all across the board and it allows us to, to, to validate getting big purchases. But I don't know if, if, if they're looking for a big purchase next summer, I, 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 I can't think who that might be and where and where they or where the gap that we're looking to fill would be for that. Well, I think could also... Could go in, maybe. Yeah. I don't it, know. Bernardo Silva may go next summer, of course. But of course, if he does, we get money. So that it's not as if you're saving yeah. up to replace... Yeah, you can replace him with the money you get for him. So I, I do think that this summer has been a really unique situation in yes, that City's... City's staff member has gone to Southampton um, to head up their recruitment. It is not often you'd see a Premier League team bidding 15 million for players who have never started a Premier League match. Mm. You don't see that often at all. And of course, when City are offered 14 million for a 17-year-old who's never started a Premier League match and are able to get a buyback clause in there as well, it's just a total no-brainer. Yeah. So I don't think this happens, this whole... Because let's be honest, we've sold everyone to Southampton. <laughs> that, like that's, that's all that's happened. Delap's gone on loan to Stoke. McAtee's gone on loan to Sheffield United. Southampton are the ones that are buying all of our youth team. They're 10 million on Adozi, 6 million on Larios, who I'd only heard about for the first time yesterday. 14 or 50 million on Bazunu, similar amount on Lavia. They've just, they've given us 50 million for four players who haven't yeah. really had a sniff of first team football. Well, it's, it's sensible for us and it's sensible for them. I think it's definitely better than loaning them. Uh, oh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. I mean, how sensible it is for them, time will tell because it is very risky. And all of a sudden, if they're not in the team come Christmas and you spent your majority of your transfer budget on City's EDS squad, I think fingers are getting pointed in yeah. in the direction of, uh, is it Joe Shields who, who they've got? Um, so, fair, yeah, they're building for the future. They don't have yeah, to yeah. All, all the time, but yeah. It, it's, it's exciting. But it is a big outlay, yeah, for... Yeah. Because so you, I, need, I, you need points now, don't you? So, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it just made sense for City to do the, yeah. do the business. And next summer, I think it is realistic to assume that given Kev will be a year older, I think he'll be 32. Gundo, I hope, will sign a new contract given his renewed importance in the team and is now captain. But I think anyone who thinks Bernardo's staying longer than next summer is probably in for a rude awakening. So I think yeah. a Bellingham could be on the cards next summer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Or Liverpool. 
that's for another time. Right, let's look forward. It's uh, half five on a Saturday. Great time for a football match. It's Aston Villa away. Let's look ahead and not backwards. Chris, place good place to start. You said this would have been a great weekend to play Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Is it a great, <laughs> great time, great weekend to play Aston Villa? Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I still think it is, and I think. I guess I'm thinking more about us than I'm thinking about them, really. Um, I feel that we are overflowing with confidence at the moment. Um, Gerard is not just having a bad start to the season. This is a hangover from the end of last season as well, um, despite the first half against us in the last game of the season. There, there's, there's a malaise that's set in there, which as a manager with a relative, you know, relatively short amount of experience, you know, d- d- despite his time at Rangers, that he's looking to try and um, counteract. And I think it's difficult because you can see them really struggling. You can you can see that the the the, the reduced level of confidence uh, across that squad, it was, it, and it's a decent squad as well. Um, so I. Um, I is it a good time to play them? I mean, I still think yes, because I think we're, we're an influence superior side to them. Um, there might be a backlash, but I don't think they necessarily have all the, the parts in place to be able to engineer that, that, that backlash. I, I expect a fight from them. Uh, and I expect maybe a going back to basics from them as well, which might make it a very physical, challenging game. Um, but I, but I don't worry too much about it. the same way if we're playing Leicester I don't worry too much because I just think that 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 the that the minute they don't quite have a backlash in them um touch wood I won't be proved wrong with that but I, I don't have too many concerns with it Jordan are you surprised how sour it's gone for Gerard uh, this season already or yeah is he is he always been trading on his name as well as a player no no I, I'm surprised I have to say um I worked in Scotland for three years for BBC Sports Scotland. It was the same time that Gerard was at Rangers. And I think people will give him stick for getting jobs on his name alone. But I don't think people realise how big stopping Celtic winning 10 leagues in a row actually was up there Hmm. and how big an achievement it was to do it. Um, he would, and they played really good football. They played really good football, and it wasn't just in Scotland. His record in Europe was really good as well. Um, he obviously wasn't in charge for their journey to the Europa League final last year, but I'd say the foundations were laid by him. Um, they had some really, really big results in Europe, and very rarely lost. So it was no surprise to me when he got the Villa job, and I was thinking when he got the Villa job. He could be an ex-England manager. A good fit, I remember saying at the time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, so for it to go south um, like this, I mean, he didn't he didn't really hit the ground running. I think it went under the radar how poor Villa were last year under Gerard. Um, one, pl- one person who got a lot of the credit for Rangers up in Scotland was their coach, Michael Beale, um, who left in the summer and is now the manager of QPR. He was seen as the brains behind the operation, the tactician. And I reckon if they've not managed to properly replace him, that has a large part to do with why Villa fans are saying that the team has no identity at the moment, no set style of play, because he really was seen as the glue holding it all together um, from a tactical point of view. Um, And to me, Gerard seems like quite an attritional character. He's not the sort of person to put his arm around a player when it's going wrong. And I think he probably feels right now that those players are letting him down and that they're damaging his reputation. I think there's probably a lot of frostiness in that dressing room. This is just based solely on my view of Gerard from the outside looking in. I think that that dressing room could be pretty toxic. And I think... That's evidenced by him taking the captaincy off Tyrone Mings Mm. and dropping him. I mean, he might have seen a clear reason to do so, but it's an aggressive move, isn't it? You don't see that happen very often. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, and now he's back in the side, is he not? So. Yeah, he is. I mean, it's it's worked to an extent, but I, I've got a bet on with a friend at the moment. I said Lampard would be first to go out of the two of them, but I think I'm going to lose my money based <laughs> on how how well they're playing in the fixtures they've got coming up. Chris, they've still got a ton of talent in that squad. Mm. Uh, we had two almighty battles. I don't know if you remember our home game against them last season. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I yeah. think did did we did we win? I can't. Do, uh, I think we yeah, won, I think three. Yeah, three, yeah. Some, yeah. I don't know, yeah. Was it three? Three, three two. two it three was, two. That's that was it. it. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Close do, one. Do you think Pep will be thinking about that and be quite wary and understand that? Yeah, the, <laughs> they may be in a bad place, but there has to be a reaction, especially on a Saturday evening in a home game. Yeah, of course. I, I mean. Any team that plays in the Premier League are there on merit and they deserve to be there. So they will always offer some sort of threat, particularly if we facilitate them to deliver that threat. Enough in for the first like 55 minutes of that game at the end of last season, we facilitated their threat because we were so shit. We were so shoddy across the entire team. And then we when we suddenly clicked and decided to step up a gear, we blew them away. So, so I think that it's similar to how we allowed Palace to really um, stretch their wings against us uh, uh, the weekend. So I think, of course, Pep will be aware of that. And of course, he will know where the threats are coming from, you know, with Coutinho. And, and he knows in terms of their fullback play, where, where the, 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 there was a threat there. But he'll also know where, where their um, weaknesses are. And, and, I, and I very much anticipate that Pep will take the game to them. Um, so yeah, you can never, you can, you know, I, I didn't go in thinking we would bamboozle Forest. I thought we'd win if we played to our potential. But I didn't think we'd always we'd, we'd blow them away like, like we did. But that was that symptomatic of the fact we didn't let them play. So yeah, he'll be wary of it. But but I, but at the minute he's he, he's he's taking a team with him who are who are surfing the crest of a really confident wave at the moment, um, and I think he'll be able to counteract any threat that Villa offers. Uh, Jordan. Thoughts turn to what team you think Pep will pick? Uh, we're recording this early morning, way before the press conference, which I assume is at one thirty. So the fitness of certain players might still be up in the air. But stick or twist, do you think he'll pick a very similar side to the midweek match? Do you think also he'll have Sevilla in his mind when making that such decisions? Um, I think that it will be a pretty similar team. I hope it is. I, I think maybe with the exception of De Bruyne coming in, um, probably for Bernardo. Yeah, I, uh, he's played three on the road, yeah. I think. Yeah, including I, Barcelona. Yeah, I was including That's Barcelona as well. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Um, despite Bernardo's fantastic performance at Villa last year, which, if you remember that beautiful volley... Mm. Um, I think the necessity to pick teams based on a midweek game or a game coming up um, has been reduced given that we have five subs. Um, and I, my approach would always be, not that my approach means anything because I've done nothing in management, um, but it would be start your best team and then take them off. Don't leave Haaland on the bench and then bring him on chasing the game. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sure he will have have it in mind, and clearly, you know, there's so much work that goes into to working on players' fitness and how much time they should be playing. But for for me, you just bring De Bruyne into that team that played full of confidence, full of aggression um, against Forest, and you go from there. I'll just stick with you because you mentioned Vares earlier. Is he in danger of losing a lot of game time right now because he has been underwhelming? But you could see, see him starting on Tuesday because he. Pep still seems a Champions League player. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I tweeted half jokingly, half voicing a bit of my opinion that this was after the Palace game, that Mares shouldn't be starting a game unless the competition sponsored by an energy drink. It, <laughs> it, it was a joke. Yeah. I, I obviously expecting Mares to start games before we play Chelsea in the Carabao on the 9th of November. I've now deleted that tweet because he obviously will start some games and inevitably get a goal or assist. It's just not worth it. I just think over the way he's played, and I think his stats have been padded to an extent with his penalties. Um, 
I just think he's not justifying his place in the team. And I know Pep likes him for intricacies in small spaces and his first touch. For me, though, watching him as a fan and probably not knowing the details of what he does well, um, I, I, I just don't want to watch him play at the moment. I think he's just not been up to the standard. Well, he's not and influencing games, is he? Really? Not really. And what's sticking out in my mind, I mean, I can't blame him forever for missing the penalty against West Ham or having it saved. That happens. I thought against Villa on the final day of the season, he was horrendous and he was taken off after 50-odd minutes and we instantly looked better. I don't think he shows enough for the ball off it. I don't think he tracks back enough and I don't think he's offering enough going forward. So, so all in all, that's pretty, it's a pretty damning assessment. Um, and uh, yeah, against, against uh, Palace again, uh, last weekend, he was taken off. And it, we, again, we looked better without him on the pitch. Hmm. He'll probably start in the Champions League. Our squad isn't big enough to, you know, if it, we still had Jesus and Sterling, then you're thinking, how's he going to get back in the team? But for, for, for me, I don't really want to see him start at the moment. Chris, Alvarez <laughs> retains his spot. I think it, I think he'll. I think I'll. Well, I think Alvarez will, won't play on Saturday. I I I think that Kev will come back in and and Bernardo will go right side. Right. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. I I I I just think I think that it was an experiment, but Pep wanted to see how he, he and Haaland linked up. Um, so I do think Bernardo will keep his place. And I think Gundo will keep his place. So uh, he, it's a game where it could be a brilliant substitution there for half an hour over us as well, is it not? That intensity last season. Uh, yeah, I think I think early last season he with Mars was great, and I think that. Um, um, uh, the season before he was excellent. We may have seen the best of him when Mars is good. He's peerless. He's just been good for a while, uh, and and. A place in City's first eleven is a premium, and you've got to be absolutely at your peak to be able to fit in. So I think I think Jordan's got a good point. Like right now, he's not justifying that sort of selection, but I still think he'll start against Sevilla yeah. on Tuesday. Now, saying that Alvarez as a substitute is also a huge weapon, you know, for City to have. Oh God! Against yeah. a tire, you know, teams tire obviously against a tiring Villa in the last half hour. Hill, yeah, he could cause a lot of you know damage. Yeah, we will see. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we play this game. I've been for years picking a city team, picking a Pep team. Absolutely impossible. But the defense still probably picks itself for now because of a lack of options. Mm. So, Jordan, a fit Jack Grealish. <laughs> Would you play him at Villa Park? No, no, because <laughs> I, I, he's not going to be fully fit, is he? Um, he's, he's missed the last. No, but let's just say hypothetically he's fit and oh right, ready um, to go. Do you think yeah, he relishes a game like this? Yeah, I actually think he does. I yeah. don't think he's like Sterling at Anfield. I actually oh, think he, yeah, yeah. He, I, I actually think he'd enjoy it. Um, I, I wouldn't not play him for that reason. I'd, I, I, yeah, I think he'd really enjoy himself. But for, for me, I, I want to see that front three that we saw against Forest again. Mm. Like that's what I, as a fan. That front three has the potential to be as exciting as Sterling Sané Aguera or Sterling Sané Jesus. There's so much in that front three, so much variety, so many goals, so much ability on the ball and dribbling. Uh, I, I can't wait to see that front three again. Um, and I think Grealish and Mares, while they, they serve a purpose tactically and obviously got immense talent, um, they're not as exciting as those three. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You say the age, it's just such a vibrant front line as yeah. well, is it not? So, uh, just basically in the league, obviously it's going pretty well, Chris. Uh, two points dropped mm. in five games is absolutely fine. How do you feel when you look at that league, ta- uh, league table? Is it important to keep pressure on Arsenal? Do you see them as a title threat? Are you still upset when Liverpool get last minute winners? Uh, or are you just happy <laughs> to concentrate on... City's results. 
I think because it I think is, in, um, after all the start of September. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always said that the the, t- the table is an abstract concept until about ten or twelve games in. Until until you're kind of at the quarter point of the of the season, the table has little or no meaning. Um, my my emphasis has always been City just win your games forget about everyone else around you yes we can take delight at United's kind of implosion which they've started to emerge from a little bit and and Liverpool's inconsistency particularly the fact they're in denial there's a greater problem there um, and I think that, that that obviously you can't ignore the fact that Arsenal have started really well and and under Arteta they are they're really progressive and they're learning from their mistakes of last season which mean they failed to 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 get entry into the Champions League however I'll only start to look at other teams results when we're about 12 games in um and then start to see what rats you up against in the interim period just win the games and you apply the pressure on those teams who are faltering at this point that's that's that that's all we can do. However, at the moment, Arsenal look like to be our key threat, but they still don't have that experience of being of being that chasing contender, which Liverpool have. That's why I can't write Liverpool off, despite their erratic start. Mm. But Jordan, it would have been so nice to be seven points ahead of Liverpool after five yeah. games, would it not? Yeah, it definitely would have. Um, I, I'm with Chris. I, I, I can't write Liverpool off. I'm, I'm not really... You know, when Arsenal are getting late winners as they have done the past two games. I'm not really annoyed by it. I, I, I think Arsenal have the potential to be contenders, but I can't see them taking the points off the big boys that are required. Um, what about United on Sunday, though? Yeah, well, I said... Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll wait for a big boy to come along. Um, yeah, I, I think when that Liverpool goal went in, I was pretty annoyed. Um I still think that they are the only team that are capable of stopping us. But I didn't think that Leicester could win the league. You know, momentum is a big thing in football and Arsenal have a lot of momentum and started brilliantly. Um, So you never know. You never know. Spurs can't really write them off yet either. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. But at the moment, I'm very, very happy with with how we're doing and how the league looks. I'd have have taken it at the start of the season, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll finish with a score prediction for uh, Villa, please. Uh, Jordan? Go 3-0 City. Uh, I think if we get the first goal, that atmosphere at Villa Park can turn very toxic. That's a good point, Matt. They will, yeah, if City like go 2-0 up first half, if, I'm not saying they will, that crowd will turn yeah. big time because they're already, they're ready to turn. Basically, I, I think so. we'll, we'll see similar to Leicester last night. I think the team are a bit shell shots at the moment. I think the fans are going to struggle to get up for it. And yeah. the way that we're playing with Haaland, I think they'll be bricking it. Chris? Um, I, have a, I can't rationalise this in but I have a funny feeling that Villa might score. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to go 3-1. Yeah, I'm going for the same. I think they've got a goal in them, definitely. Uh, but if City play like they did during the week, they should have too much for them and they will create yeah. chances plenty of them because again Villa are not going to play dead are they uh, or sit super deep I don't think so the chances will be there so just put it in the middle for the for the meat shield shield and it should be okay <laughs> uh, right that's a wrap Chris thanks very much for coming on uh, onto the show yeah pleasure pleasure as always yeah Jordan again thank you very much for coming on Pleasure. That's right. Great weekend, both of you. Thanks for listening, everyone. That is a wrap. Uh, yeah, here's to three points at Villa Park and another brilliant performance. And perhaps, no, no, surely not a hat trick for Erling Haaland. That's asking for too much, surely. Uh, but have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe, take care, and as always, up the blues.